Welcome back to Library Land Loves, a podcast from the Ontario Library Association. I'm Michelle Arbuckle, Director of Education and Member Engagement at OLA. And today I am very excited to have with us one of my favorite people. Susan Clail is currently the Dean of Libraries at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland. She is also um, a longtime presenter, supporter of at the Ontario Library Association Super Conference, and she'll be presenting uh, this coming year on a topic that we are going to talk about today. Uh, Susan's term ends this year as university, sorry, as Dean of Libraries, but she also has, um, I'm not going to call it a side gig because it's so much more substantial than that. Uh, she is a graduate of the Royal Roads Postgraduate Executive Coaching Program, and she does executive coaching, and she's fantastic. She's actually my executive coach, if I may put that plug in, um, and she has had the opportunity to speak for the past few years, I'm going to say four years on various topics relating to possibly conversations. five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. possibly five. In a while. Um, and does such a fantastic job at helping people. I always recommend a conversation with her when people are having um, roadblocks in terms of knowing what to do next in their career or knowing which path to take or make certain decisions about their career. She has been hugely helpful um, in the decisions that I make and the way that I think about myself and my skill level. And um, if I may say, I come away from a session with Sue feeling energized and uh, rejuvenated. So let's put that on the, uh, let's put that in your advertisements. Mm -hmm. But today, let's just say first, hi, welcome. Welcome, Sue. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And thanks for your kind words. It's so nice. Yeah, it's so nice to have you here. Um, So you have an upcoming session at the conference um, with your partner that you've presented with for a few years now, Angela Sorti. Do you want to just tell us about what that session is? Sure. So the, Angela and I uh, have presented several times at Superconference on uh, various ways to tackle difficult conversations, uh, taking what we would call a coach approach to those discussions and to those conversations so that we, we often, all of us, I think, have trepidations about tackling tough topics and how people will respond um, uh, if people are angry, sometimes it's, uh, we, we have difficulty approaching conversations. So Angela and I, uh, in our session, walk people through how to uh, take apart what you want to accomplish in a conversation and, uh, how to, and give practical advice and uh, practice and, and all these great things so that you can walk away and be successful in all your conversations, regardless mm-hmm. of That's where great. you're having them. So the conversation is happening um, Wednesday, February 3rd at 2.30, and it's called Difficult Conversations That Can Heal the Human Heart. And we're going to do a little bit of a spoiler today and just talk about top five ways, um, strategies, tools, things that you can use when you're having difficult conversations, when you're leading difficult conversations. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay, great. Do you want to start with uh, tip number one? Oh, I got to start with one. Uh, Oh, sorry. Is is it ranked? It is. That's okay. I'm I'm adaptable. I can work with this. You do you. Uh, Yep. Uh, Number one, uh, anytime you sit down with a conversation, regardless of your role in that conversation. So uh, if you are uh, in a work environment and you're a supervisor talking with somebody, or if you're talking to your supervisor, uh, or if you're at home talking to your teenagers, um, or your young children, or your spouse, uh, or your neighbor uh, about how they mow their lawn, you know, you, uh, you, you can approach each conversation with the same objective, 
uh, not objective, but the same um, uh, purpose. And that's number one. Number one is what would you like to get out of the conversation at the end of the conversation? So often I will say to clients, uh, what would you like to walk away with today at the end of our conversation? And I think it's really important if you're having a difficult conversation, particularly is making that decision before you go into the conversation. What do I want to walk away with today? I would like to tell my neighbor not to mow their lawn, um, I don't know, on Tuesdays, right? That's my, that's my outcome. Or I would like to have a conversation with a, uh, with a staff member about the fact that they come to work repeatedly half an hour late or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, at the end of that conversation, I would like to have the staff member make a commitment that they are going to come to school, come to work at blah, 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 blah. So that is really the important thing anytime you're going into a conversation is in your mind, make a determination about what you want to walk away with. And then when you start the conversation, have that dialogue with the person that you're communicating with and and express what you would like to walk away with. At the end of the conversation today, Michelle, I would like to walk away with us having an agreement that uh, you are going to come to work on time Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Or at the end of our conversation, Michelle, I would like us to uh, determine that uh, some ways that, you know, put it together a list that we're going to talk about next week about how you can come to work on time. And then you either tell me whether or not you agree with that so that we have what we call in the coaching world, a contract. We have a contract about what the end of the conversation is going to look like. Hmm. That's number one. Which seems great because then you're getting everyone on the same page. It's kind of like when you share an agenda before a meeting. You're getting Absolutely. everyone kind, their expectations are aligned so that they're not thinking they're coming in and you're going to fire them right off the bat and then worried about that and not listening the whole time. And, and yeah, that makes sense, right? Getting everybody on the same, uh, the same wavelength, the same, so that everyone knows what the expectations are right. from that conversation. So, yes. And it, 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 on the same wavelength at various points of the conversation. So at the beginning of the conversation, uh, everybody's on the same page. Uh, but as you work your way through the conversation, and sometimes we end up going down rabbit holes or emotion comes into play, uh, it's important to have that contract, that, that agreement to come back to it, to say, now, Michelle, you're getting very emotional at this point, or some, you know, we, we've gotten to this place where we're talking about this. Let's come back to what we agreed we're going to walk away from, mm-hmm. what we're going to walk away with at this conversation, because we seem to have gotten off track. So let's come back to where we are about this. And that is really important because difficult conversations can zoom off into uh, crazy places really quickly because often there's emotion at play. Right. Okay. That's great. Great tip. All right. Tip number two. Tip number two. Um, Okay. So we have the contract, right? We're going to get the contract. The key for anybody in a conversation is to, and it's really difficult, like, you know, is to lose the bias. Right. So um, and uh, so, you know, you haven't been coming to work on a regular basis or timely fashion. I have some bias about that. Right. Like my work ethic is different. I blah, 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 blah. You know, what the heck? And so I'm bringing that bias into the conversation. And it's really, really important to create a space where um, that bias doesn't come into play, where it's just a place of discussion. And, um, uh, 
you know, there's a whole bunch of things get wrapped up in bias. Our tone, our voice changes. Um, you know, Michelle, why are you coming to work like that? You know, that that's very different than saying, Michelle, can you help me understand what's happening that you're having some difficulty coming to, right? The, mm-hmm. Very different um, uh, approaches to a conversation. And uh, bias often brings in the emotion then, right? So once we have that bias, often people say, well, you're, you're, you're passing judgment on me or, and, and as a result of that, often emotion will ratchet up. Uh, so it's really, really important and incredibly difficult yeah, to park bias. Like- so you have to kind of check in with yourself during conversations to kind of pause and take a breath and, um, uh, and, and park that bias, which I think is probably a great lead in for um, number three. Okay. Uh, can I jump to that already? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is uh, empathy. And uh, so not, it's closely tied to the bias. It's really important to understand that we all walk different roads in this life. And uh, what gets me to this Zoom call today, that journey, even from the moment I woke up, is very different than, say, your journey was to the Zoom call. And, uh, and so there, you have no idea what is happening in someone's life right? Could be happy, could be sad, could be angry, could be frustrating, could be scary, could be, you know, uh, depressing, could be many, many things. And so I think it's really important to, to appreciate that and to have empathy for those journeys. And, uh, uh, and so I say that to clients, remember the journey, right? Everyone's, you're on a journey, someone else is on a journey. And so when you come to this place, that's why it's important to have that contract, right? Because the journey shouldn't matter. But that said, we should be um, empathetic that those journeys are in play. That's interesting. And, I mean, especially can, right now. Oh, especially because right you now. know, I before this call, I had to get my kid ready for virtual grade three and get myself ready for this. And then my partner had an issue and then the internet, you know, like there's all these things going on that I think requires so much more empathy from us or maybe we're just recognizing it more that, you know, these challenges are, we can, you can see them now on your screen. You can see into my home and, you know, potentially hear all of the chaos that's going on. Um, But I think that, you know, especially right now, managers are so much more aware of the need for empathy with these kinds of things. And, you know, it's hard for us. It's hard for managers too, because they have the, they have their own journey. They have their own uh, concerns um, that are percolating. And that is difficult too. The, uh, if we were, if you were at the presentation on the third, uh, we would probably, I know we will, uh, spend more time going into this around things like the importance of body language uh, around that help us impart empathy, right? Mm-hmm. So nodding to affirm that we've received um, what people are saying, to smile appropriate, like, you know, and you can do this in any form that a conversation takes, uh, whether it's face-to-face, um, where I turn to face you, I don't turn away from you. Um, Zoom calls where uh, you're nodding to acknowledge that you've received what I've said to you. I look you, mm-hmm. you know, I try to look you in the eye through the camera. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and also over the telephone, believe it or not, empathy does work. Uh, you know, that body language piece that's tied to empathy does work over the telephone as well. You know, all you got to mm-hmm. do is smile while you're on the phone and people can hear it. And right. um, uh, so there's, 
there's lots of ways to demonstrate empathy and we, we don't have time obviously to go into all of that but uh, I think body language is a big piece of it and you don't forget that you need to express empathy and parking your bias is a piece of that too. That's great. So you're going to talk more in the presentation about kind of um, the context of all of this in these virtual workspaces and and maybe how to you know, a lot of these tips last year would, would probably have been around meeting in person, but you're going to adapt it a little bit to talk about those Zoom interactions and phone interactions and that kind of thing? We will, but the, the to be honest, Michelle, um, any of these, uh, what we're talking about apply to any format, mm, right? Okay. To any to any conversation. And, um, mm. and I think we sometimes get ourselves caught up in the modality and... Um, uh, I, I think it, I feel that we should step back from that and really focus on the words, how the, how the words are imparted is, is just, sometimes it can be noise. So as you and I both know, um, uh, I really enjoy and value coaching over the telephone versus face-to-face. -face. I don't mind doing face-to-face, -face, but I find the coaching over the telephone gives people a very, uh, very uh, safe space to have conversations. And so it, it, uh, and you know, you and I have talked over the phone. Um, we've done Zooms, uh, we've done face-to-face -face. and uh, each one of those platforms works very well, as long as you stick true to what makes for a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Hi, I'm Michelle, the director of the OLA Superconference. And I'm Destiny, training and education specialist at OLA. And we are so excited to see you at this year's very first inaugural virtual superconference. I'm pretty excited about some of our future speakers this year. We have Megan Ogilvie, a writer for the Toronto Star, with her presentation on engaging readers in the age of information overload. We also have the always amazing Hamza Khan for our public library spotlight, Dr. Evan Adams for our indigenous spotlight, and Usha James on Saturday with her school library spotlight, You Are Not Alone, engaging and supporting all students in independent inquiry online. Destiny, what are you excited about? Well, Michelle, I'm excited about the live chats. It's the part of the virtual conference where you can come and share your thoughts and ideas. We'll be discussing a variety of topics, including copyright issues, networking ideas for non-networkers, child and youth programming ideas, and so much more. Check out the schedule for the list of live chats that are happening every day. It's your opportunity to engage with other attendees and share your ideas. We hope to see you there. Number four. Number four, I got to look at my list. Uh, number four, normally I would spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, this is be inquisitive. This is ask questions. 
And so everything that we've done up to this point in terms of our top five is we've talked about getting the contract. We've talked about uh, losing bias and empathy. So here we are, we've kind of shaken ourselves off. We're sitting in the meeting now. We know we're sitting in this conversation. We know what we want to accomplish. We recognize that we have to be our best self. And now this is how we're going to demonstrate it. And that is to ask questions. Um, appreciative inquiry. So we want to take the fact that we've parked all our bias and um, we're going to ask questions in such a way that uh, we are looking to, under, to understand and not to pass judgment. So these are not judger questions that I want you to ask. These are inquisitive uh, questions. These are learner questions. And Angela uh, and I uh, would go into quite a bit of detail about this we, during our presentations. We would spend a lot of time. But the punchline is no why questions. So W-H-Y. Get rid of those out of your vernacular. Like, just don't ask them. Um, and take tone out of your questions. So if I say, Michelle, why, why are you coming to work late? There's a lot of judgment in there, right? Which basically says, I don't think you should be coming to work late. I don't come to work late. Like, you can wrap her a whole bunch of stuff up in that question. Why are you coming to work late? Michelle, help me understand. What, what is preventing you from uh, coming to work at nine o'clock on Wednesdays. Mm. What's going on there? Help me understand. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a very different question, right? Um, now I can wrapper that with tone <laughs> and make it a you know um, a judgment question by saying, you know, what's going on, Michelle? But you try, you know, you got to remember number uh, number two and number three, right? <laughs> And pull and, and scrape all that stuff off it and be honest. You honestly want to know what's going on with you. You could say, well, I had to get my kids set up for school. My partner had a problem and it happens every Wednesday because he always has a meeting at seven o'clock or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, you got it. As opposed to them receiving a question going, well, they just think I'm an idiot and they yeah. don't like me and whatever. Mm -hmm. Being so, defensive and not being able to solve the problem. Right. So uh, be inquisitive, no why questions, no why questions, what questions, how questions, help me understand, great sentence, tell me more. Um, all these are to put, uh, to put on the table what is really going on. Because remember, you've got that contract, you know what, ultimately what you want to get out of the conversation. So now these questions are putting everything out on the table so that you can get to that end of that and have a successful contract. So, and you uh, know, I was just gonna say that the thing that is interesting to me, because as a manager, when you start asking those, help me understand questions, I go quickly into it. Let me solve all your problems. Right. But by setting up that contract at the beginning, that really helps frame that and, and kind of restrain you to saying, okay, you're helping me understand, I hear it. And for this purpose of this meeting is to do this. So let's focus on this. I find like that, that structure of um, this is what we're gonna talk about, but now help me learn more really helps you stick to it and, and get to that goal, right? Yeah, and I think you brought up a really important uh, point that should probably be 4B. And, and that okay. is to not, um, to not jump in to help in difficult conversations, right? I think um, in any conversations, coaching questions, uh, conversations aside, um, 
don't jump to the answer. Say, well, you just told me that. Well, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Now, in some circumstances, if it's a, a manager and, a, and an employee conversation, sometimes you have to do that. You have to make those decisions and, and jump to a place. And that's fine. There's appropriate places for that, but not always. And in difficult conversations and challenging conversations, I think there's an inherent risk if you jump to that, right? So um, yeah, that's a really good point. So give space and time for those questions and, mm-hmm. and, and let everyone think about them, which kind of leads me into my number five. All right, here we go. Number five. And so number five is uh, weight. And weight stands for why am I talking? And so when I ask you a question, I have to park my brain and I have to park my mouth. Uh-huh. Because if I park my brain, then I'm actually stopping and listening to how you answer that question. I'm not saying, oh, well, Michelle should get up 15 minutes earlier, right? Because obviously every Wednesday she has issues. Well, that might not be an appropriate answer, right? That might not be an appropriate solution. We have to have a conversation so that ultimately Michelle can figure out some strategies and some things that she can do around that. And that gets us back to the contract, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what happens when we park our brain and we park our mouth is that we create a space where you answer the question. Michelle, help me understand what's going on on Wednesdays that you are um, having trouble coming to work by nine o'clock every day. Mm-hmm. Beat, beat, beat. See, you want to answer that question, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, by creating that space, uh, it's, it's, you have to fill that space, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's saying it's okay for you to jump in that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push you back out of that space by putting words in there, which is really hard for me. Cause as you know, I'm a talker. Um, yeah. So it is difficult to, re- to remember to stop talking. So I have wait, right? I put it on my screen. Wait, why am I talking? Yeah. Ask a question, it, let it land, let the person answer it. It's so difficult. I find it so difficult um, to handle silence. I don't know what happened to me in my youth. I don't know what kind of ancestral DNA causes this, but yeah, whenever there's a pause, I want to make a joke or make a comment or, you know, solve the problems. It's very, very difficult. So yeah, but you're right. It's crucial in these kinds of conversations to give those pauses. It's a learned habit. It really is. Yeah, it, it will come more naturally to you. It's an unnatural thing for many of us uh, to do this, and um, it it does um, it gets easier. But you got to keep at it. That's the problem. Yeah, I will say on the other side of the table, because you've used all of these strategies with me. I'm identifying them as you're going through. When you do that, it's such a. It can be very emotional. Um, while you're waiting and because I'm, I'm, I'll be going through so many answers in my head. Like, is it this? And sometimes I'll just start out loud. Well, it could be this, but it might be that. What do you think about this? And you're just silent. And so I'm having to work through all of this and you're just, I'm just dumping it all out there for you to hear uh, and to help me kind of work through. So it's a, it's a lot. And it, it, I think it can get to a point of um, real, 
realization and self-reflection and emo- it's, it can be very emotional though. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Very, very easily because there's a lot of things because you have that space, you're not being guided in how to answer. Right. So all the things that are banging in your head about that root cause, whatever, um, sometimes they have a tendency to come out because there's no, there's no boundaries around what can come up because that Mm -hmm. space is there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I have time to make a point about something? I want to come back. Absolutely. I want to come back to the five points. So I suspect there's people listening who are going, well, that's well and good. If I am the one who's initiated the conversation, all these points that I brought up, right? If, if you're the one who's initiated, then it's really easy to remember that you want to have a contract, that you want to do the bias, you want to do all these things. Um, if, I am, if I have been called in uh, to have a difficult conversation with my supervisor, for example, or if my spouse comes raging out of their office, and because we have the same workplace now, uh, angry about something, um, so I don't own the conversation. It's not me who's initiated the conversation. How do I take these five things and apply it to that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think that's important for people to think about it, that these five points actually can apply no matter what your role is in the conversation. And so uh, if I was brought into the conversation and, and my boss says, uh, brought you in today to have a conversation about what you're, you know, what's going on here. You say, well, you know, uh, we have a short time today. Uh, we have 15 minutes, we have 20 minutes at the end of the conversation, let's have a discussion about what's going on and potentially some things that can, like you can set the contract. That's not a great example, but you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So in a way it's kind of managing up that conversation. A little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it Mm -hmm. it puts everybody again on the same page, which is really, really important. How many times have I walked out of a conversation thinking that something had been, we had gotten to a certain place and someone else's the the other participant in the conversation has walked out and thought we got to another place. Absolutely. It's really important that we have that contract at the end of the conversation, you sum up that contract. Okay. Where are we? We are Mm -hmm. here by tomorrow. You're going to get me this, you know, we're going to have a conversation in two days and blah, 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 blah. So it is, um, it is kind of managing up if the other person doesn't understand what you're doing, I guess. (laughs) It is possible also to be inquisitive if you are not the initiator of the conversation. You can uh, also ask your own questions, you know, um, uh, and and so don't feel that you can't uh, ask those questions. And I, if I had a number six, I could go on, (laughs) I probably have like 20 things, would be to call it. Call what's happening in the conversation. And you and I have spoken about this, Michelle, I, I say call it all the time. Uh, Michelle, you and I are having conversation quite clearly. You're emotional at this point. I just want to acknowledge that and just hoping we can take a breath. And, uh, what I'd like to know is, um, my next question to you would be blah, 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 blah. So I'm calling it right. So if my supervisor calls me in, I could say quite clearly you're, you're frustrated with this and, and angry with this. I'm, I'm welcome the opportunity to have a conversation about how, what our next steps are around this issue right so i've called the emotion as soon as you call it it often deflates it mm-hmm. not entirely absolutely not entirely depending on the the strength of that emotion but it can um it, it just makes it all honest a little more honest in that in that circle in that space 
I'll stop it. Six. <laughs> I have so many questions, but I'm not going to because they'll likely all be answered in your session at the upcoming super conference <laughs> and people can learn more there. That's great. Thank you so much. This is a really, really great list. I think that, um, you know, we're definitely, well, I shouldn't say that, but likely many people out there are having to have difficult conversations and the ability to have them effectively in a way that everyone feels heard and respected and um, understands what the next steps are is such an important part of building a respectful relationship in a respectful workplace. So I think it's just, it's an essential um, skill in the profession, but it's an essential life skill. Like you said, these are tools we can use with our kids, with our partners, with our, you know, their colleagues. And um, so I hope that, uh, I hope that everyone found this list helpful. I certainly do. And um, I thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. And I would encourage everyone to take time to go to Sue's session, as we mentioned on February 3rd, it'll also be available on demand once the conference wraps. Thank you so much for joining us for today's chapter, and we'll talk to you again soon.